John, we're going to start in John chapter 13, but we're also going to go to Matthew 26. So if you go to Matthew 26, put your ribbon or something there. Um, <clears throat> uh, but we're, we're going to start in John chapter 13. So there's a couple of things. What? What? He's okay. All right. So, okay. So why don't you, why, why don't you stand your feet right now? And let's pray for her. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, dear gracious heavenly father, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come before you at any moment with our needs and our cares. Lord, we lift up our sister to you. Father, we don't know what the emergency is or what the health crisis is, Lord, but we know that we love her and that you love her. Lord, we ask you to bring peace to the situation, that you intervene in a way that everything will be uh, worked out uh, for a quick recovery, Lord. We ask for peace for Brian as he makes the drive, uh, that Lord, you be with him and calm his, calm his nerves as he drives and uh, see him there safely. Lord, we ask for a quick, uh, a quick report of recovery, and we just thank you, Lord, that Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, a uh, couple of things uh, this this evening. Uh, number one, uh, please bear with me tonight. Um, I don't know why, but about halfway to church, well, about the time I got to the traffic light, um, I started getting a migraine. Just, I mean, it just hit me like that. That's not normal for me. Normally, they, 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 I get them very slowly. Um, so <clears throat> I'm dealing with a little bit of a migraine right now. Uh, but fortunately, my wife had some of my medication, so hopefully that'll be kicking in soon. <clears throat> so, um, so especially in my reading, just be patient with me. <laughs> and if I have to stop, just, just bear with me. Um, uh, so anyway... Uh, and I told you this morning, uh, the, this, tonight's message is going to be really short. <clears throat> um, uh, I, uh, this week, I, I was, well, I, I say back up, probably for the last two or three weeks, uh, but uh, uh, I finalized everything this last week. Um, the, the Lord just started really burden, burdening my heart to step back and and take a look at the Lord's Supper or the the, the Last Supper. Um, uh, it, it is part of the Passion Week, um, but at least for for me, um, I I have tended in my Christian walk to kind of overlook the Last Supper uh, because of the crucifixion and all of the stuff going on with the Passion Week, uh, I, I've just kind of always, I, I've known it was there, I've, I've read it hundreds of times, but I've never really focused on it. So the Lord kind of challenged me to, to step back and take fresh eyes and, and really look at it. So <clears throat> tonight, uh, I want to give you uh, five precious truths 
that God showed me uh, in the Last Supper. Uh, none of these five truths are, are anything new, but they're important. And as I, as I, as I meditated and, I, and I, I thought about these five precious truths, I thought, why? What? This was the, the Last Supper. I mean, we know this, but Jesus' disciples did not know this. That the Last Supper was Jesus' last opportunity as a, as a, for lack of better terms, a corporate body of his most faithful followers that he was going to have them all together. It's the last opportunity for him to impart to them things that he wanted them to know as a, as a group. Now we know that the Garden of Gethsemane and all these things take place afterward, but this is the last time that Jesus is going to have this group of people together. And, and as I was sitting and meditating on this and thinking about it, the thought came to me that if I knew I was going to die and, and God came to me and said, you are going to die tomorrow. It, within 24 hours, you are going to die. Get your family together, the people that are most precious to you. What do you think I would tell them? Huh? Well, you know, obviously, the gospel, if they're not saved. But I would, I would tell them things that are the most precious to me. Right? I, I would tell my family and the people that are close to me the things that are more, most important to me that they need to know. And that is what the Last Supper is. Because the, the disciples did not know. He had told them, but they hadn't, they hadn't got it. But Jesus knew that his time was short. And, and within 24 hours, he would be gone. And he had one last chance to tell them some very precious truths. And when I realized that, it changed the whole dynamic of the, of the Last Supper. Five precious things that Jesus wanted his disciples to know. And I believe with all my heart, these five things are five things that God wants everyone to know. Number one, and, and again, I'm going to try and be really short here. Number one, <clears throat> God loves humility. God loves humility. In John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, I was, I was planning on reading all 17 verses, but with a migraine, that would not be a good idea. <clears throat> we would be here for a week. 
So let let let's let's talk about it, okay? Um, uh, this 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 is you're going to help me, and I'm going to help you. What is uh, just kind of glance at the first 17 verses, and what is happening in verses one through 17? Jesus washes their feet. You know, I mean, that's that that's it in a nutshell for the first 17 verses. Um, now, there's a few other things that take place here, but for the most part, it is when Jesus <clears throat> dons a towel and he goes through and he washes the feet of his disciples. He takes on the most lowliest of lowliest jobs of, uh, uh, that a person in that time period could could do. The, the foot washer in a home was the lowliest of lowly jobs. And Jesus uses that opportunity to teach humility. Why? Because God loves humility. God loves humility. In Luke chapter 2, verses, verse 24, it says, uh, And there was uh, also a strife among them, which, uh, which of them uh, should be accounted the greatest? What was happening within the, that core group that Jesus was addressing, the, his, his 12 disciples? What was going on? Pride. Pride. What they, were, they were struggling. Who, who of us is going to be on your right hand and who's going to sit on your left and I want to be I want to be you know you know and all this stuff and there was there was there was strife within his his inner circle if you would and Jesus comes to them the in the in the last supper one of the last things he's trying to teach them is humility and he says you know paraphrasing here he says if you're going to be great you're going to be a servant first. Why? Because they had a skewed concept of leadership. In fact, the reality is many people today have a skewed concept of leadership. True leadership serves. And and I want to say this, even in the corporate world, it doesn't matter. They had a skewed concept of, of, of leadership. Look at verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> if I then, uh, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash <clears throat> one, uh, one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. One of the most precious truths that Jesus wanted to communicate is the, is the reality that he loves humility, that God loves humility. So often, we as believers want attention. Everything has to be about us. And God says that is not how you serve. You serve by washing feet. Now, <clears throat> my wife is born and raised in South Carolina. 
And you get, you get in the swamp areas of South Carolina up in the foothills of North Carolina, and you can find some weird people. And, and <laughs> yeah, Bob, you'd fit right in. <laughs> um, I don't know why I always pick on you. I always pick on you. Um, but um, one of the one of the things you find in the in South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, some of those you know, deep southern states, is foot washing Baptist. Have you ever heard of those? Okay, they literally, when they come to church, they literally wash each other's feet. I mean, they literally do that. Yeah, but you, you know what's you know what's ironic about it is before they come to church, guess what they do? They wash their feet. <laughs> it's kind. Of, I don't want somebody washing my dirty feet. Well, wait a second. If you're gonna do something biblical, you got anyway. It's just it's hilarious. Um, but First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses one through three. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity or love, I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. In other words, I'm just making noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity or love, I am what? Nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth, profiteth me nothing. God loves humility. The second truth, as I was meditating on this, <clears throat> is verses 18 to 30, another long passage I'm not going to read tonight. But kind of skim it and see if somebody can come up quickly with, what this is talking about. Jesus identifies who is going to betray him. Now, we, we all know this, right? Hopefully we do. If, we're, uh, if we understand Scripture, who is the one that ultimately is going to betray Jesus? Judas Iscariot. My second precious truth is God's broken heart. God's broken heart. And as I, as, as, as I thought about this, Jesus identifies uh, Judas and the other disciples. If, if you go back and read it, the other disciples are like, oh, no, no, no nobody here is going to do that. But we know that Judas ultimately does. And as I, as I thought about it and I meditated on it, I thought, you know what? For the most part, for close to three years, give or take a few months in there, Jesus' disciples basically lived with him for like three years. They were the closest 
people to Jesus. For three years, they lived together, they ate together, they sang together, they cried together, they, they did everything together for close to three years. Do you think that Jesus knew during all those times what Judas was going to do? Absolutely he knew. And every conversation that he had with Judas, I can almost imagine in my mind Jesus in his, in his heart pleading with Judas to please not do what he was going to do. It had to have broken his heart. Can you imagine spending time praying with his, with his 12 closest friends? Praying with them, knowing that the man sitting next to you is going to betray you. And the burden and the broken heart that came along with that. Even, even as Jesus, Jesus washes his feet, knowing what he was about to do, he still loved him. And the precious truth is this, at least to me, God's broken heart. But Jesus never gave up on him. What would we do? If we, if we had the ability to know these things in advance, chances are we would have written them off. Am I right? Oh, you're a traitor. I don't want anything to do with you. But Jesus, all the way until the very end, was hoping and praying that Judas wouldn't do what he was about to do. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 24 and 25, says, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been, better, it, it, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, it is I. Or is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. Can you imagine those final words that Jesus spoke to, to Judas? Yes, it's you. Can you imagine how, how much that had to hurt? Knowing what was going to be taking place within less than 24 hours, probably close to 12 hours. And every time we break the heart of God, that hurt, that pain. Number three. God loves humility. We see God's broken heart. But we see God's new commandment. Look at verse 31. 
It says, therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, I am with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot go. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, <clears throat> that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The new commandment. And as I sat there and I thought about that, I thought, okay, what is the old commandment? I mean, is that not a, a, a legitimate question? What's the old commandment? Does anybody know? No. Love others as you love yourself. It is a. It, it actually in Matthew chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-seven to forty, it says, "In Jesus." said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So actually what Jesus is doing here at the Last Supper, his last opportunity to influence the hearts and lives of his disciples, he gives them a new commandment. He actually is upping the ante, if you would, from the old commandment, which is actually comes from Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. It says, Thou shalt uh, not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So what, what we read in Matthew 22 and what Jesus was referring to here in the Last Supper it was a reference back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And what Jesus says here is, don't love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as I love. Does that change it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> what, 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 change, okay, what changes in that commandment? Talk to me. A more perfect love. A sacrificial love. What, what was Jesus getting ready to do within 12 hours? To give his life. To, exactly. And Jesus says that is how we need to love. But how do we love? We love conditionally, do we not? You, you treat me right, I treat you right. Where would we be if Jesus loved us like that? <laughs> We'd be in a world of hurt. It's a huge difference. 
So he gives us a new commandment to love like he loves. What an incredible, precious truth that he gives his disciples. Number four. And, and I think it was my son-in-law, John. Recently, we were talking, and he said something, and he, he mentioned his favorite person in the Bible, and I said, well, mine's Peter. Peter was stupid. I mean, he was always putting his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? I, I like Peter. I, I mean, he, he and I, we, he, he's the man, as far as I'm concerned. You know why? Because if, if, if God could love Peter, he could love me. Amen? <laughs> I, don't, I don't open mouth, insert foot. I open mouth, change feet. Okay? Just saying. I, I just, my foot is always in my mouth. And Peter was too. But God does something here at the Last Supper that is, to me, very precious. The title of point number four doesn't sound very precious, but when you understand the truth here, it is precious. And that number four is God reveals Peter's pride. God reveals Peter's pride. Look at, look at verse 36. <clears throat> and Simon Peter <clears throat> said unto the Lord, Whether thou goest, Jesus, uh, uh, or, or, excuse me, I'm, and Simon Peter said unto the Lord, Whether thou goest? And Jesus answered, Whether I go, thou canst uh, not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterward. And Peter said unto him, Lord, uh, why cannot, cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And Jesus reveals Peter's pride. Because Peter, Peter was one of those, hey, I'll, I'm, I will die for you. I mean, just a few hours earlier, or uh, no, a few hours later, Peter cuts off the ear of the, one of the guards, right? I mean, he's going to, he, he, I personally think he was trying to kill the poor guy. But the, I, I'm assuming the guy had a, enough sense to pull his head out of the way and he cut his ear off. I mean, Peter was zealous for the Lord. But Jesus says, you know what, before the cock crow, <clears throat> you will deny me three times. The thing that is so precious to me about this encounter. We know the story, hopefully. Do you know the story? What happens? Jesus <clears throat> is in the midst of the, the most difficult season of his life. And Peter is in the in the background and he and he and he denies him twice. Standing, warming his hands, waiting and listening to see what happened. He denies him twice. And, and, and the third time, he, he denies him the third time. And immediately Jesus looks up and what happens? 
He makes eye contact with Jesus Christ. And the words that Jesus spoke to him came back to haunt him. Jesus did not berate him. He did not say, you know what, you stupid idiot. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me, you knucklehead. Now that's what we would say. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus very lovingly says, you know what, Peter? You're full of pride. And before the night's over, you're going to learn an important lesson. Jesus, from a distance, makes eye contact with Jesus, or with, with Peter. And the conviction happens. Jesus didn't have to say a word. His conscience did it all. In Luke chapter 22, verse 60 to 62 says, And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And, and immediately, immediately, while he spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he has said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and went bitterly. Most of us would have kicked Peter to the curb. But what does Jesus do? After Jesus, is, Jesus rise, raises from the dead, Jesus loves Peter. And by a fireside, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Three times he tells Peter, feed my sheep. And he never one time says, you know what, you idiot? Why'd you deny me? He didn't throw it up in his face. Not one time. He just loved him. And Peter went on to be an incredible witness for Jesus Christ. There's hope for me. There's hope for you. Precious truth number five. Turn over to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. The same account, the Last Supper, but another truth that God gives us, or gave them, is a new covenant. A new covenant. God's new covenant, number five. Matthew chapter 26 Let's start reading in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for many for the uh, <clears throat> which is shed 
for many for the remission of sins. The word testament here is the word covenant. It's the same, it's the same word. It's a Greek word. Uh, it, it means testament or covenant. So when we have here, we have an old covenant and a new covenant, or the Old Testament and the New Testament. Same exact word. The word covenant here means to embark in a promise of a solemn agreement. So the question would be, if we have a new covenant, what is the old covenant? The old covenant uh, was a a work-based or work arrangement that God had with the, the Jews. They had a series of sacrifices that they would have to go through to cleanse themselves and they would they would have to to do a lot of things they had to keep the law um, but that's that's the old covenant so what is the new covenant okay it is it is it is the it is the blood of Christ the blood and the body of Christ under the new covenant Jesus is the high priest and the uh, the temple uh, our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit under the old covenant the the high priest was the only one who could go to god in the temple with the new covenant we we can talk to god anytime we want i appreciated your prayer you said you said something if we can come to you anytime we need and praise god for that it's because of the new covenant in his blood Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 21. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of uh, Jesus by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that, excuse me, is to say his flesh and having an high priest over the house of God. Every time we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are acknowledging the new covenant that He has given to us in His body and His blood. Five precious truths that God showed me that I had, I had I've, all of these truths I, I have known for years. But when I realized the preciousness of of the of the and the and the 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 um the heartbeat of Jesus Christ knowing that within 12 hours or so give or take a few hours that he was going to be breathing his last breath and he wanted to impart to his disciples five very precious things five very precious things the last chance he was going to have. So tonight as we partake in the Lord's Supper, let's understand that this is just something, this is not just a routine that we go through. This is a very precious thing to the heart of God that represents a very precious thing 
in our lives. The new covenant. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.